Hey, welcome back to the All In Podcast, and this week I am joined by Greg Taylor. Greg is going to cycle around the whole USA, not just across, not just one way. He's going to cycle all the way around, and he's starting this in the winter, no less, on February 20th, 2021. I won't give away any of his story, but in this podcast, we talk about his mental preparation for this journey, his physical preparation for this journey and what motivates and drives him throughout. He's gonna walk us through what is going to go on on the day-to-day, the prep, and after this is completed. I think you'll really enjoy hearing about this unique journey that he's about to embark on, and hopefully you will support him along the way. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation, to learn something new, or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. Welcome back to the All In Podcast. This week, we are joined by Greg Taylor, who is cycling across the U.S. or around the U.S. Could you explain to me what you're taking on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. This is uh, you know, a huge pleasure for me to be able to expand uh, kind of uh, my network of who can hear about this and hopefully introduce it to some new people. So Natalie, thank you so much. This is a huge honor to be here. Um, to start with, uh, you know, it, it, most people are like, man, he's going to go across the United States. I'm actually going to go around it. So I'm going to yeah. circumvent it. I'm going to uh, Jacksonville to San Diego, California. So shooting straight across like I-10, Highway 90, and then up to uh, the Mount Rainier area of Washington. So outside Seattle, don't want to go into the city, but kind of doing the outskirts, straight over to Maine, and then uh, riding the Eastern Seaboard all the way down, back down to Jacksonville, Florida. So it's like 11,500 miles, and it's plotted to take um, the latest uh, six months, uh, accounting for (laughs) some, you know, bike difficulties or rest days or anything like that. And then hopefully I can beat it by a little bit of time. That is an insane adventure. Like I know when I, when I first heard about it, I was like, this is crazy. Like to go around now, what I find the craziest is like, you're starting right now. It's mid January when we're talking, um, this episode will come out in a couple of weeks and then it's February 20th when you're actually leaving. How, why did you decide to do this in the winter time? Yeah. So, uh, we had to make a decision based on how long the project was of where we were hitting certain weather pockets. Right. Mm. So I, 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 was terrified of being like stuck in the middle of an Arizona desert or stuck in Texas when it was like 114 degrees and, you know, 90% humidity or something. So the idea was if we could knock out the hot states or the hot areas in the coldest times that we could still ride. And then the cold states, the Northeast and some of like, you know, uh, Colorado straight across the Midwest, when it's those warmer times, we should be able to have a little bit more of their temperate seasons. So even though it's, uh, you know, early March, uh, late March, when I get to Texas, for them, that'll be a little bit better than like a late May in Texas, for instance. Mm, That makes so much sense. I heard that Texas got snow yesterday, which seems crazy. If you live in the United States, it was was like, and you knew anybody who lived in Texas. (laughs) Texas. That's their only post. It was like a rule. If you live in Texas, you must post now that it is snowing outside your house. Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) I have a few people in on my network in Texas. And I saw that and I was like, that is crazy that it is snowing there. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. A couple friends in Austin and, uh, you know, of course, so many Snapchat videos and everything. Pretty cool experience for them, I'm sure. Yeah. So do you plan on actually hitting any states where it might be snowing? And do you have like a plan for that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I get, uh, especially uh, up into the Pacific Northwest, um, I've talked to a bunch of people who live right around the Mount Rainier area and are giving me a little bit of an uh, idea of what I'm going to be expecting there. And once you get into the mountains, like into Mount Rainier, I'm definitely going to be maybe sleeping with a little bit of snow uh, or at the very worst, you can see snow on the peak still type thing, right? So I might not have to combat like an actual snowfall, but I'll be able to see snow there. Um, In those times, you know, I do have uh, some pre-prepared items that I can at least sleep comfortably. Um, I'll be actually switching out equipment and grabbing some new stuff in California that I'll have pre-sent to myself there. Uh, And it'll be a new sleeping bag, uh, a very heavy jacket to wear all the time and uh, just some stuff to keep me generally warm. So for that month or so that I'm taking on the Pacific Northwest, if it's needed and it's it's a very cold... um, you know, uh, climate that I'm in for those treks, uh, I'll definitely be at least semi-prepared with some stuff to sleep in to make it a little more, a bit more uh, amenable. 
Yeah, because when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, like in the middle of the winter, it's going to be hectic, but it totally makes sense that you're hitting those southern states. And hopefully by the time you get to the to the northern states, it's warm enough, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, like, uh, we did as much background as we could on it. And then we just kind of had to throw, uh, throw a caution to the wind and pick a day and go for it. So that's what we felt set up about the best, but it's one of those things that who are we to guess the weather? Yeah, totally. Now, um, I've talked with some people who do like these 100-day-plus expeditions, and some of them do them unsupported and some are supported. Could you walk me through like what equipment you'll have, what kind of bike, and how you're actually getting like food and water and all your supplies? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of backtrack here. I have what's called a Surly bike. It's just a brand. They're actually a Florida brand as well. Um, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're from South Florida, but um, they make uh, some long distance bikes that are exactly this. They're a steel frame. So you're not exactly going for like peak performance where like that mile an hour matters, right? Uh, what matters most is the fact that your bike is going to work each and every time that you need it, no matter where you are under what condition. So I have what's called a Surly Disc Trucker. Uh, it's just one of those bikes. It's a steel cut frame. It's a heavy duty bike and it's going to be there for you, unsupported, supported, whatever you need from it. Um, I'll actually be carrying about, um, so there's four bags, one on, uh, okay. across each wheel. And then in the back, there is a, uh, a support uh, above that back wheel uh, that actually holds my tent, uh, holds uh, my sleeping bag and a couple sleeping pads. So that's more of like the the, the camp stuff, if you will, on the back. But right. inside um, consists of everything from actual food to, um, uh, you know, water is going to be in a frame pack in the middle. I'm carrying two, uh, two liter what are they called? Um, like when they, when you have like a little sippy cup out of them oh, or whatever, um, like yeah. big, big bladders or like whatever. Like a camelback type thing. Exactly. My fault. I'm blanking on the name, but the camelbacks. <laughs> yeah. They're in the middle. So I'll have four liters of water in the middle, kind of like underneath my legs. And then uh, everything from cold weather gear to socks, to what I ride in to, you know, some books to read along the way. Cause uh, you know, once you get to the night, you actually need something to do once you're there. So <laughs> after a couple of social media posts, you got to keep yourself entertained. But um, I want to ride with right at uh, seven, 72 pounds or less on the bike. So okay. um, if you think about it as just an easy rule of thumb, I'll always have about 75 pounds of gear on me, which is why that mile an hour doesn't matter as much as uh, it's not going to break down in the middle of a desert kind of thing. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I've seen like bike tour bikes versus like a road bike for racing. Exactly. And it's two different things. Like one is built for like the most lightweight carbon frame, but they are so finicky. They Absolutely. can break super easily. It's not going to last any sort of long distance trip. Yeah, those carbon fiber ones will fly for you, right? And they'll get you peak performance, but the second you try and carry something on them, the most those things are carrying is like a water bottle and that's, that's all you <laughs> yeah. really want to push. So, uh, yeah, you gotta be really careful with kind of, um, you know, we built this bike, uh, for one solid purpose and that was to always be reliable. So, um, the local bike shop that helped me build the bike and kind of taught me about putting it together was very good about picking the materials and, um, you know, the structures that we needed that we're never going to be able to one, not replace something on the road. We don't have any like weird gear that can't be replaced. Mm. It's pretty uniform parts that can be found all around the country. And then, you know, the least susceptibility to breaking down. So the chain is built for long distance, you know, the actual, uh, uh, um, ratchet itself is built for long distance, the gear shift, uh, everything is, is just mo much more on the reliable side than it is the performance side, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think the relation of like, you know, people might have a Ferrari versus a Toyota Prius or something. Absolutely. And if they're Absolutely. going across the country, you're going to want a Toyota Prius because there's Toyota <laughs> dealerships everywhere. Everyone carries those parts. But you want a Ferrari part, you have to wait to order it from Italy and wait for it to come into the dealership and fix it. That's an awesome analogy. Again, yeah, we're definitely the Toyota Prius on this thing. <laughs> you just want to be one consistent 15 to 17 miles an hour for about six months straight. So that's that's all we need. <laughs> So it's still, it's so mind blowing, like six months straight of, of activity. What's your like daily schedule and then maybe your weekly schedule if you are taking like rest days? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just like you, I'm, a, I'm I'm more of a performance athlete, believe it or not. So cycling is not in my background. I'm definitely a, cross, <laughs> a CrossFitter through and through. So uh, I, I I still can't get rid of the CrossFit. Um, but as you know, in our sport, strength is never a weakness, right? So uh, I still squat every morning, still do a, a ton of explosive exercises with my CrossFit gym in the morning. I've just backed off a ton of like the, um, you know, like longer Metcons and things mm -hmm. like that. So I just go in strictly for strength based in the morning. And then I, uh, I have a Peloton, fortunately, that uh, my mom gave 
gave me to train on. Uh, it was kind of her gift for this whole thing. That's and awesome. uh, I can hit my intervals on that. So one of the bigger uh, things that I'm personally nervous about uh, nervous about is Florida is a pancake, right? Like you, mm. it, when you're riding on the roads, there's the, the most you're going to get is a bridge and that's excessive even there. So uh, I want to make sure that I'm prepared for once I do hit the mountains, being able to sustain that day-to-day pace that I'm looking for. So I've put a ton of background work into uh, intervals and climbs and things like that, where, you know, I'm standing up and pedaling straight up on the bike for 90 minutes, 90 minutes at a time, just to reach a peak or, you know, get through that mountain range, whatever the case may be. Wow. Yeah. That sounds extreme. Did you hire a coach at all? Or are you just trying to figure this out on your own? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have to hire him, but I got connected through uh, an awesome network actually on Instagram. I, I've never met the guy uh, and he took me under his wing. You know, when I first started, I had the Peloton about seven months ago. Um, he let me know exactly what I was going to do, you know, take my PFT test for that performance threshold to see where I was at at that point. Uh, and then he makes me retest every four to six months and tells me each week what I'm going to do, whether it be an interval session or a Tabata session or a climb or just sitting there for five hours and putting in 70 miles that day whatever the case is. So he has been um, amazing to me to put together this for me. Um, I'm definitely going to tag him on my Instagram and just shoot him some thanks and everything because he went out of his way just because he believes in the cause and uh, believes in what we're doing. So um, he sets up my entire week for me and I just kind of believe in him and it's been paying off dividends up to this point. Um, you know, like when I take a, uh, a rest day per se, and I, I just take like a 70 miler, um, uh, just at one consistent pace, just to get some miles under the belt, it feels easy compared to where it used to. And, uh, that's what I wanted, uh, when I left day one is, uh, it just to be an everyday ride. Right. So that 85 miles a day that I'm trying to put in, uh, it's, it's gotten to a place now where it's just a common day. Like that's just a normal mindset where, okay, I'm going to get on, I'm going to ride and that's going to be your daily output. So we're working through a lot of things, um, with the intervals that I still think I can, uh, you know, uh, increase my performance on in the next 35 days before we leave, but very thankful to him for helping me get to at least where I am right now. Wow. So having a CrossFit background, I can see it as both a strength, like there's pros and cons, I would assume to going about this challenge. I know for myself, I get so inspired by these challenges and I'm like, I want to do some endurance challenge. Then I remember I am like complete strengths, power sprint athlete. And so it's a little bit of the opposite. I find in CrossFit, we're so used to like go, 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 like ADHD with exercises. Like there's so (laughs) many different movements and we're always varying. But when you come, like when it comes to biking, you just got to sit there and do that same movement. How did you overcome that? And how has CrossFit like helped, but also maybe the things you've had to overcome when it comes to switching to the cycling? Oh man, awesome question. And it's, it's such a deep dive into who we are as people more than it is who we are as athletes. Right. So, um, let's say me and you are attacking the same Metcon and my powerhouse is power cleans and any, um, any, uh, um, sorry, I'm blanking any like rower movement or bike or any machine. Right. So that's, right. I'm a big athlete. I'm like six two two twenty. So any power output, explosive, uh, movement, I'm going to crush it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to come off the machine much closer than that. So I always in a Metcon can put myself, okay, just get back to the machine or get back mm-hmm. to whatever your strength in the workout is. I don't know for you, it may be gymnastics or whatever your, your big go-to is right. Um, in, in this, you don't, you don't get that moment. Sorry. In this, you don't get that moment to be like, okay, get back to your power cleans. You just have to be like, nope, you're going to sit here for the next five hours and you're going to keep doing the same thing. So, uh, as much as CrossFit taught me how to be mentally strong and push through pain, it's a complete different mental battle, not harder or easier. It's just different to be telling yourself like, nope, sit down for the next six hours and you're going to give yourself 85 miles at the same pace. So, mm-hmm. uh, it is, it is a complete switch from everything I've ever learned. And it's been cool to kind of utilize that side of my brain that tells me, yeah, you're physically fit enough to do this, but do you really want to sit down for the next six hours and put in the work that needs to be done? Mm, I totally relate to that. It's been hard. Like that's what I've been doing a lot of the same year. It, it kind of seems like similar to your training in the senses. I really want to get my endurance up. And so I've been like, okay, let's do like some bulletproofing on my joints, just like strength work. Oh, for um, sure. Just things like that, especially working out from home, like just with dumbbells and things like that. There's a lot of accessory work you can do. And then I'm like, okay, let's cut down on, you know, maybe some of the Metcons and let's sit on the bike for a while with a rower or, you know, those long pieces. But it's so hard to overcome that. And just to sit there and dial in like mental endurance is almost a different thing than mental toughness. It's like, it's just a different aspect of mental toughness. And I think as CrossFitters, we build... Yeah, we build like a great mental toughness, but it's in a different realm. It's it's not, you know, in the realm of just sitting and enduring this one thing. 
Yeah, yeah, I can sustain a lot of pain with a barbell, right? But when I first started training for this seven months ago, I, w- I wasn't sitting for more than 45 minutes, not because I was breaking down, but it was just like, I have no interest in doing this. Like, what am mm-hmm. I doing? This is terrible. So, you know, bringing yourself to that point of just being okay with what you're doing is definitely something that uh, that we don't tap into enough in our sport for sure, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's just so important to diversify your discomfort, if that makes sense. Like you almost get comfortable pushing yourself in the same things. Like, you know, it's uncomfortable to go for a new PR, but you're still linearly progressing on that one movement or that one thing. So how can you experience these other variabilities of discomfort just to push yourself mentally and physically? Yeah, that was beautifully said. I mean, uh, if you're going for a Fran PR, right? Like, you know that your time is going to be within, what, four seconds? And you have to execute a couple things to make sure that it's within that four seconds. On this, you're telling yourself, like, well, you're executing the same movement pattern, but how long are you really willing to sit here and do it for? So that, that was incredibly well said, uh, what, what you spoke to. that's uh, That pretty much summed it up really articulately. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> So uh, the next question is actually brought to you by uh, my podcast sponsor, my podcast partner, Restoic, which is a mental training app for athletes. And I think it's really in line with what we're talking about right now. And the question is, is how are you mentally training and preparing for this challenge specifically? Is there any mental prep that you're doing? Uh, Yeah, so I've actually... taken a huge step back and I thought about what are you going to need in the middle of this, right? And one of the things that I've been doing so much better that I'm, I'm really thankful that I gave myself the opportunity to do is just take care of my body. So as performance athletes, uh, we don't take the time, uh, most athletes, including myself, I'm a terrible about this, is just taking that five minutes before and after workouts to take care of your body and make sure that you're prepared. And uh, I, they are one of my sponsors, but I'm not doing it just because of that. The Ready State has been unbelievable for me to really put my my body in the peak shape that it needs to be in. So that mental acuity of knowing how my legs need to feel, how my knees should be feeling, how my ankles are actually mm-hmm. feeling when I wake up that day and making sure that I uh, put them in a position to be successful and not just ask stuff of my body that really, uh, you know, that it should not be doing that day after writing 750 miles in the last eight days has been really big for me growing as an athlete to kind of take the necessary steps to make sure that I'm plotting, uh, you know, what's going to be successful physically in the background. So the five minute stretching routines, you know, the, uh, making sure that I'm uh, pinpointing my joints every night to make sure that I'm good to go the next day. It's those little things that have allowed me to have the long-term mental, um, you know, roadmap put in place where by the time I get on the bike, uh, by the time I've packed up my tent, by the time I've gotten everything set up, made sure I had water, made sure I had food, made sure I have my maps properly, properly routed for that day. By the time I get to the bike, that's the easy part. And that's Mm. what the goal is supposed to be. So, uh, if you can take care of all that background noise and get yourself on the bike, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's when you're sitting and enjoying it's, it's the mental preparation of the other 50 key identification points that you need every day. Um, that's been huge for me to move, uh, move closer to, uh, to the goal that's coming up. Mm, that's awesome. And it sounds like that's almost like the the progression and the maturity of an athlete, I find, yeah. where they go from, you know, coach says this is what I got to do. So I go through the motions and I do it to being conscious and putting in that extra effort to being like, do my, how do my knees feel? How can I consciously like attack that to make sure that they feel better for what I'm about to do so that I can get that extra 1% in what sure. I'm doing? Yeah. I mean, remember, or I'm, I don't know actually how, uh, I follow you a lot and it's been awesome watching you, but I don't know how old you are. I'm going to take a guess and say that you're like 25. 27. You're close. 27? You're close. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, so you, um, so you do have that kind of reflection point of when you were 22, right? Yeah. Like the only thing I cared about when I was 22 in the, in the first year of CrossFit was hitting that 500 pound back squat. And I just came, I came at it recklessly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've never flossed a knee ever. Like I just went at five heavy back squat sessions a week. That was all I cared about. And I was just throwing caution to the wind. Like if I tried that now, I just turned 30 on new year's Eve. I would break in half. Like there's no way, like I would literally, my body would break in half. So as you become a little bit more put together mentally as an athlete, the the physical ramifications of it are so clear and so evident, but it it takes part of that process of, of growing up mentally to see those physical steps. 
Mm, that's a, that was really well said. And I, I totally agree. I think it's, it's that maturity mentally of being able to just recognize, like you're trying to get into this for the long term. You're not like, okay, in one year I'm going to the CrossFit games and one year I'm yeah, achieving yeah. this. It's like, mm, if you want to have a successful career, maybe, maybe if you're a freak athlete, you can make the CrossFit games in one year, sure. but will you make it the next year? That's pretty rare. Right, um, right. It's like, how can you sustain yourself and not get injured and make this, you know, a long career out of health longevity? performance yeah i i do wish had i had i meshed those two things uh when i had that tenacity and when i had the body of a 22 year old you know yeah. what would have become of it but i i feel like no one really has both sides of it uh and when you know when they do they're 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 matt frazier they're rich Froning, or they're somebody mm -hmm. like that so you know you just have to uh they're, they're one in a million athletes anyway so they have all sides of it <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's one of those things, like sometimes you just have to learn the hard way. And mm. in hindsight, you're like, imagine if I had all these things put together at once. But I think that's like, that's life. Like when you're 90 years old, you're going to wish you knew what you did when, you know, like when you were 20, you could have known all these things and put it together. And like, I think that's just, that's just life. <laughs> no question. And I, and I expect to have, uh, you can only prepare so much for something like this, right? So I'm sure that I am going to laugh at how prepared I am now, even though I'm taking every second of every day to, to, to look forward to every possible hiccup, right. And see what I can do about it to, to, to smooth it out. But I'm sure that by the time I get to California, I'm going to laugh at myself on what I thought was preparation. So, uh, <laughs> some things you just have to learn in the moment and be able to adapt and to overcome. And, uh, that's another reason that I'm so thankful to CrossFit because everyone's been, uh, you know, smacked in the face by a 185 pound snatch that was supposed to feel light in the middle of a Metcon. And guess what? You got to figure it out. You got to adapt and you have to overcome. So uh, super thankful to CrossFit for being able to, you know, have that stoic moment to be able to control what you can control in that moment and just make the changes that you can make to get to the next step. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So looking back, like what, what was your why and what was the reasoning behind doing this? And also maybe talk through, cause I know you are raising money for cancer throughout this. Yeah. I, I'd love to give a little bit of uh, an introduction to kind of the cause and everything. So thank you. Uh, the, the website is usacancercycle.com. And uh, that's also my Instagram tag. We tried to name everything that to make it easy. It's usacancercycle.com. And uh, we are raising money for a local Jacksonville cancer charity. It's called Chemo Noir. And uh, instead of paying board members and paying people who work at companies, Chemo Noir gives every dollar that's donated to them to uh, cancer uh, families and charities here in the, I'm sorry, not charities, families directly here in the Jacksonville area uh, who can't afford their cancer treatment. So, so far we've been able to uh, literally save the lives of 50 people here in the Jacksonville area wow. who otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford their own treatments. Um, Kat Casey is the owner of it and she's actually a cancer survivor. So that's why it's near and dear to her heart and somebody that I look up to very much. So um, that is kind of who it's for. Uh, I actually have, um, I feel like everybody at this point uh, at some point in their lives has been affected by cancer, whether it be, um, you know, somebody in their family or their them directly. So uh, if there's anything that I want to ride for, it's somebody that everybody can kind of uh, understand why I'd like to ride for cancer survivors and current cancer victims that can't ride for themselves. So uh, mm -hmm. I know I have, um, you know, some lingering um, uh, relationships that I'd love to uh, do this for. I had an aunt that passed away from cancer that I was very, very close to, and uh, I, that always uh, weighs heavily on my heart. So uh, it's taking a second to recognize when and where I can give back and use the physical fitness that I've accrued over the last five, seven years, whatever it is, uh, and be able to kind of mesh the two. So I've always wanted to do uh, kind of a grand adventure, more or less. Uh, but when I brought this to my wife, and uh, she was in for it, and she thought it was a good idea as well to kind of have this experience, it was it was all hands on deck after that. So once the wife gave her approval, we uh, we got going for real out got going for real on it. That's so awesome. And I, I really admire that mission and how you're bringing together, you know, the strengths that you have with your physical fitness and, you know, the gifts that you have there with being able to use it for, for good, you know, like people say like training CrossFit for life, and then they don't go out and lift anything to help their parents <laughs> in their sure. backyard or things like that. So being able to go out and actually raise money for a cause that we're all, you know, affected by is, is really inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's, I've already met so many people. We, 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 we're taping this on a Monday and we launch in four days for anybody who's listening to it. So you can understand the timeline. Uh, and I've already met so many people that I, I can't wait to take a day and ride for that. This is so near and dear to their heart or their children's heart or something like that. It's such an honor to be able to be able to represent not only our community of fitness, uh, the CrossFit community, the cycling community and everything good that comes from those communities, but also, uh, you know, a community that maybe, uh, miss or underrepresented right now with everything that's going on in the world. And, you know, we have to remember that cancer is the leading cause of death in the United States. Um, and I think like seven out of the last 10 years or something and, uh, whatever I can do personally to help, uh, affect change directly in that environment. It's super cool to have that opportunity to do so. Awesome. And, and so are you taking six months off work to, to do this? Yeah. How are you funding and how are you making it happen? Yeah. So I, I had a, I actually do it recruiting for a local Jacksonville it recruiting agency. And I was, I was lucky enough even through the pandemic to have a decent 2020. So I set myself up financially. I, I, I stowed away car payment, insurance, rent, you know, the whole nine, not leaving my wife high and dry <laughs> here or anything. And, um, I, so I'm actually, you know, uh, funding myself through this was able to put a little bit over, but, uh, direct things to my sponsors who actually made it possible because I am quitting my job uh, to do okay. so. Uh, you know, it is one of those things where I fully believe that my passion uh, outweighs, um, you know, the opportunities that I have currently at work. Um, it's something that I feel like I need to do uh, not only for myself, but for the people in my life. Uh, and um, hopefully when I come back, you know, I do IT sales and I'm pretty good at it. So I do think there'll be a job lined up when I get back uh, or hopefully something makes itself out of this trip. But um, my sponsors were able to provide me some financial stability and background uh, to know that this would be possible to quit my job and do so. So I'd like to seriously thank them for not just throwing, like uh, being able to send a little bit of cash, but for being able to believe in what we're doing and, you know, why we're doing it, who we're doing it for. It, uh, it means the world to me for people like you and for people like the Ready State to be able to just jump in and be like, yeah, we believe in this mission. And we think uh, this is something that a lot of people should have some exposure to. Yeah, I love that. That is so awesome. And um, you're really going all in on on this with quitting the job and, and everything. And so I hope that people who are listening to that last part, you know, if, if they have a passion, something that they're passionate about, um, like you're doing this in something that's not necessarily making you money. It's something you're doing for a cause that you believe in to raise money for others. Other people might have a business idea that they want to jump in on and they're scared to do so because they're going to leave their current job. And I hope that this motivates them that if you have a passion, you know, maybe now is the time time or while you can, or if it's something physically related, you never know what can happen. And so take advantage of being able to do that. Yeah, Natalie, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I never want to tell somebody, hey, just quit your job. But I promise you that if it's something that you have a legitimate interest in, that you're going to be more fulfilled and make more money in the long term by following the passion of something that you genuinely believe in. Uh, you know, I always tell people that there, there are too many days uh, that we live that we just forget. We have no mm -hmm. idea what happened and we're never going to be able to look back on it. You know, I never want that to be the case for, for my 30s, for me and my wife's future. And I feel like this six months is going to be you know, life changing for me and a lot of other people involved in the journey. And I promise I won't forget a single day of uh, uh, what we do here. That's awesome. And there's, there's so many days uh, that you'll be out there on the bike. What will your day to day look like on the bike? How far are you riding? When are you resting? Like, what's it going to look like? Yeah, great question. So like a typical like 14 day cycle, right, will look like 13 days off one day. Uh, I'm sorry, 13 days on one day off. <laughs> Just Let's chilling not 13 do that. days and <laughs> yeah. one day. <laughs> Gonna grab some coffee and hang out. Yeah, no. Um, so it'll look like 13 days off. Oh, geez, there we go. All right, 13 <laughs> days we're going to ride. The one day uh, we're going to rest just to keep the body in shape, you know, from my experience of what I've put in, kind of tested splits to see what's been best. And I feel like I can maintain that pace. You know, if it's not and it's something I get out there and I need one every 10, then maybe, you know, that 10th day will be like a quick 30 to 40 mile trip, something where my body can rebound relatively quickly and then treat that as a rest day. But it'll right. pretty much be two weeks on one day off rest day splits. And then if I'm in, in a city where I've always wanted to see Austin, for instance, and uh, my dad is going to join me for a day in Austin. Oh, so wow. that would be 
a cool father son moment that we'll get to share together. I'll definitely take a day there, for instance. So this it, it will be the general pattern, but there will be changes to it, um, just based on what's upcoming. You know, um, what I, what where I am. Uh, for instance, when I get to Mount Rainier, I'm going to hike uh, Mount Rainier for one day. Hopefully, meet some people out there that can show me like some cool peaks and take a day doing that. So in there the will middle be... of biking, you're going to hike. <laughs> oh, we got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got got to explore where we are. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it'll in general like the the easiest way to sum it up is 85 miles a day uh, until I get to the mountains and we're cutting it back down to be more realistic about it because they're straight uphill sprints and it'll yeah. be more like in the 50 to 60 mile range and as long as we keep on that general track of 13 days on one day off 85 miles a day um, it, it'll get us home within that six month mark which is the ultimate goal wow and what's the total mileage if you know yeah 11,500 11,500 miles. So it's definitely going to, uh, you know, uh, to give you an idea, uh, you have to get the bike chain changed three to four times along the way. That's how many miles it is. You, you can't even keep a chain on that long or it'll just fall apart. Oh my gosh. That's insane. And you said you're bringing like tents and stuff. So are you pretty much mostly just camping? Yeah, there's some cool outlets for bike. Uh, there, there is a community of people who do this. Uh, so there are a couple different uh, online resources where you can reach out and see if a, a, a room is available for that mm -hmm. night. Um, I will absolutely be grabbing hotels along the way when I need it. Um, you know, if there's a day where I'm just like, nope, I need a bed and I want a hot <laughs> shower and that, that's what we're doing, then that's just what I'm going to do uh, to keep it safe and to keep it man manageable. So um Yes, to answer your question, I would say about eight out of 10 days will be um, uh, free hiking, or I'm sorry, free uh, free camping. Uh, I am okay. carrying a tent, carrying a sleeping bag, carrying a sleeping pad, the whole nine uh, within national parks, within anywhere that, um, you know, will be safe to do so. Uh, and then the other days will be uh, through people I know who can connect me with somebody uh, who... Uh, can offer a couch or can offer a bed that night, uh, as well as I have no problems admitting I'm totally grabbing a hotel once in a while when I absolutely need it. No, no issues at all. Oh, no, no judgment from, from me and hopefully none of the listeners, because I think that's totally acceptable, especially. Yeah, if no, I had a couple people. Outside. Oh, yeah. I had a couple people reach out like, oh, dude, I mean. Uh, you, you can't just randomly jump into a hotel or it doesn't really count. And I was like, uh, okay, no. then it doesn't really count, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm totally doing it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I, I'm in the same mindset. It's, I see people who like can experience that, like just being outside and like never having a shower. And, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. But like, I'll push myself <laughs> physically, but like, let me have the shower and let me have exactly. the water. And like, not to mention, like, uh, I, I, I am a sweater by nature, right? Like I'm not exactly going to just smell like a, a rose garden the whole time. <laughs> so let me at least do some laundry once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like to get some clean clothes and uh, not throw on some sweaty shorts to start the day. <laughs> they might not let you into the next state if you're just For like, sure. oh, no. No, turn, yeah, turn you back. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to avoid that at all costs or I get turned away at a, a state border from just smelling too bad. So let's go ahead and do some laundry from time to time as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what's like your nutrition going to look like? And are you buying food? Are you carrying food for multiple days? Yeah, all of the above. So um, I have it mapped out. Um, uh, kind of in advance, like, uh, do I have a, a section? I just realized that you can't really see me. Sorry. I have a <laughs> section of, um, say uh, you get through Arizona, right? And there's actually a town called Truth and Consequences, uh, New Mexico in that area. And there's actually a two day section there where I need to be very cautious and I need to stock up on water. And I'm gonna have three days of camping in the desert by myself uh, where there's not a ton of stuff that I'm gonna come up to. So bathrooms, uh, food, water, the whole nine. On those days, um, you know, I will have meals, um, whether they be MREs or whether they just be enough uh, quick carbs to get me through whatever the case may be, uh, just enough stocked up on those three days to know that I'm not going to hit a restaurant. I'm not going to hit a cafe. I'm not going to be hit somewhere where I can replenish. Uh, so I have that mapped out already, like well beforehand, and I have it on index cards. So I know that like I have nothing coming up the next three days I need to prepare. But the day to day on average, when I have access to food and water at night of wherever I'm going to be, will pretty much be, um, I, I perform uh, relatively I perform better relatively light. So uh, I wake up in the morning, get everything put together. If there's a way to uh, have a, uh, you know, an instant coffee, I'll do that if I have some left. And then while I'm getting everything packed up, uh, I'll have a banana, I'll have a cliff bar, I'll have a quest bar, something quick, just like uh, literally is immediately replenishing my glycogen stores, throwing in some quick carbs that I can utilize right away. And then, um, 
probably another 40 to 50 grams of carbs about halfway through. And again, that's not enough to actually uh, facilitate the entire time. There's a decent chance that I'm in some sort of uh, ketogenic state, like through the process. And then once I actually get done with that 85 miles a day is when I eat the full meal. So I'll fill up on fats, I'll fill up on carbs and I'll completely replenish, uh, try and get as many of those proteins back into my system as I can for recovery and growth. And then, um, uh, that next day pretty much start the same cycle. So stay very light during the mornings. Uh, when I leave, plan on leaving about six 30 every day, it's between six and seven hours, depending on terrain. And then when I actually get off of the bike, get reset up that next night, that's when I'll take in a, a large majority of the calories and anything around me that I could utilize, whether it be, you know, so, as simple as passing a family dollar and loading back up on some of those quick carbs, or if I'm lucky enough to be somewhere that actually has a restaurant, I'll totally utilize local restaurants along the way. So I can you know, not only uh, enjoy some of the culture, but eat some decent food as well. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you're going to be looking forward to it, same as like the hotels. Oh, for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. Yeah, there's only so many uh, uh, quick carbohydrate bars that you can eat before it becomes exhausting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know the, the know the gist of it. When I was snowboarding, that's like what I would eat for training. I'd have a big breakfast throughout the day. Like I didn't want to take breaks. Usually when you take a break from training, you go inside, have this like big fatty meal, like, you know, mm -hmm. the cafeteria food on a ski hill. <laughs> and then you don't want to go back out. So like the afternoons yeah. were almost a write-off. So for me, it was like, okay, let's get out early. Let's snack as far as possible. And then when I'm done, like I'm hungry, I'm done. Like I'll yeah. go and eat lunch and then I'll hit the gym after. And yeah. so, but you get sick of the bars pretty quick. Oh, yeah, every yeah. day it's the same thing I like how you said that thing about your lunch, but I realized that quick into my training, like I would take an outside ride and I'd set it for like uh, 45 miles to my destination. Like I'd pick a restaurant, right? And I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to load up and uh, I'm going to eat everything on the menu and then head back home kind of thing. Oh, Make so that last 45 miles, I, it was like, I had to talk myself into every pedal stroke. You know what I mean? Like I felt terrible. So uh, thankfully that was one of those things I flipped around. I was like, all right, stay light, 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 get to where you are. And then have a good meal <laughs> that's like you see the cyclists that they do like the huge long treks but they stop for the beers like at the end of the ride oh, yeah. and then they yeah, just yeah. fuel up but they'll go the whole day with barely eating too much and that's mm -hmm. that's the interesting thing i think about endurance sports and mm -hmm. even like for example even just snowboarding it's like low intent like your heart rate isn't too high but you're constantly yeah. doing something for like eight hours a day and so the way you have to fuel for that is so different than if you were just doing you know maybe you do two two-hour crossfit sessions well you yeah, can refuel yeah. you can have a nap you can do different things and then go back to the gym and ramp yourself back up absolutely but these long endurance sports it's like it's two different things Absolutely. And then I am uh, working, uh, my friend Max actually works for a company called HVMN, which is a ketogenic, uh, ketogenic supply company. And okay. uh, he's helping me uh, get the right uh, nutritional supplements. So like in my water, I'll actually have, you know, so some BCAAs, which uh, for these purposes are going to be uh, pretty big just to keep, uh, you know, some nutrients flowing throughout the entire thing, but keep me light. So I'm just intaking a little bit of water, but still getting some of those, uh, uh, some of those nutrients that are going to be critical to one, make sure that my muscles are still Staying strong and to just make sure I'm not breaking down towards the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, it's crazy. All right, I have some some quick fire questions for you. All right, uh, this is this is what I've been been ready for. <laughs> Let's do this. Awesome. So, what is like a mantra or a quote that's like your favorite? Um, hmm, man, this is starting so poorly. I should have like an immediate answer ready to fire. <laughs> Maybe something that. that's like going to motivate you through the ride, like something you're thinking of or something. Yeah, like that. So I know this sounds like, like Patty or it sounds like, like put on, but it's not. It, I, I genuinely, when it, when things get tough and t things are going to get tough every day, there's going to be roller coaster rides. It's for everybody that just believed in it from the beginning. I, I, I have to think back to not only uh, my sponsors, but my wife, my mom, my brother, the people people who have watched this process take place, the people who have, you know, purchased days on usacancercycle.com and mm -hmm. asked, you know, bought, um, you know, a chance for me to ride for their daughter or to ride for their company. Uh, the people who have taken the time to, you know, spread this information, just like you, you know, it's going to be the people who believed in the idea from the beginning that truly get me through this. I love that. That's awesome. I think that's just a powerful why of, you know, having these people that you know, or who believe in you and thinking of them during, during the tough times, that's, that's almost more powerful than when you're just doing things only for yourself or only for, you know, maybe a self-serving reason. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's there's going to be terrible, terrible days. And I know that there's going to be bad stints of miles. There's going to be, uh, who knows, some 20 degree weather that I don't want to drive through. And I just have to remember that it isn't for myself. It's for every single person who believed in this and for every single person who can't ride for themselves. Yeah. All right. A, a lighter question. What is like that your favorite food that you're going to look forward to the most after a really long week of riding? Brew barbecue. Uh, so I'm in Florida and like, yeah, sure. We have barbecue everywhere. Right. But like, I want some Texas style, like I want their sauces. I want some, um, some brisket in Texas style barbecue. I can't wait. I'm totally having barbecue a couple of times. Uh, barbecue is so good. And we don't have any like really authentic barbecue in Canada. Like it just, yeah. you're not going to get it. And when I've gone to the States, oh my gosh, like it's on a different level entirely. Oh, I, I agree. I think we do a, a good job at barbecue, but I've never had Texas style. Like I'll be in Austin with my dad that day. I can't wait to have some real Texas barbecue. Oh, uh, wow. I'm so jealous. I, <laughs> really, I would do, I would do the bike just to get some, some <laughs> right? Yeah. It's going to be a bike from that. Canada. <laughs> cool. We'll meet in Austin hang out for the day. <laughs> One time I was in North Carolina and I had uh, someone brought to the gym, like a full smoker and like cooked meat for after like this, like kind of mini in-house competition. Um, uh, and it was like at my coach's gym and oh my gosh, that was that was like on another level, but I'm sure it's still not even like Texas style. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I'll admit the, the food is definitely a, a, a drawing aspect. I'm excited for, <laughs> but you know, uh, as much as, um, that individual one is cool. Food by culture is a pretty big deal. And I think most athletes, I don't know if you're a foodie or not, but I'm a huge foodie and I can't wait to, uh, you know, learn a little bit about like the places I'm in by the food. So if I can stop by a cafe for breakfast and, you know, mm -hmm. it fits into the schedule pretty well, can't wait to just check out kind of the local cuisine of all the little towns I'm going to pass through. I think it's going to be a super neat idea to kind of experience, um, you know, the different parts of the United States, not only by uh, the views, but by the people and the food as well. Mm, yeah, I'm very food motiv motivated. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, uh, whenever I would go to New York City, I used to have a friend who, uh, she went to NYU and then she worked for Deloitte in, in New York. And now she moved back to Canada, sadly, because she was like my place to, uh, to hang out with her and stay in New York City. And whenever I would go, like she would have class all day or work all day. And I would go for like a week and I'd just be by myself. But she always knew I was okay because I had a list of every food place I was going to. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. talking about. That's and she was awesome. like, where are we going tonight? I'm like, okay, we're going here and like I would know all the places and um so that would be like her chance to not eat at home and like come out oh, yeah. and go to different places because I like had everything in mind beforehand especially in New York I mean and then you're like on the way back for meeting you just have to stop by the slice of pizza because it's one mm. of the famous places so it was just like a quick snack it just happened I, yeah. I don't know I just had to have five pieces of pizza each day when we were there <laughs> yes exactly I'm I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I don't know are you going through New York City uh, I am actually uh, when I routed it uh, that was one of the things that I personally wanted wanted to do was uh, ride over the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, I yeah. thought that would be a super cool, like just like paramount moment in the trip. And it also marks that kind of, um, you know, that kind of turn home. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, up into, uh, I am, I'm going to be close to you guys by the falls because uh, I'm oh, going yeah. to Niagara Falls um, on the USA side. I've seen it from the Canada side. So I'm going on the USA side and then cutting across New York and turning straight down. So, okay. um, if you can kind of picture that map of New York cutting through over to the Eastern seaboard, uh, that's kind of the general area for the Northeast routing. And uh, one of the things I wanted to make sure that I pinpointed was the Brooklyn Bridge, because that'll just be one of those encapsulating moments that kind of I pivot and head home from there kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, and it's such an iconic site, even if you're getting like some photos and stuff like that. Are you going to have like some some people who are going to help with creating content and things on the way? Yeah. Um, so yes and no. Um, the person uh, back home who runs the charity organization is going to help. Her name is uh, Kat. Uh, she does an amazing job with brand marketing and stuff. So she's put together some videos and uh, I can send her any footage. But GoPro is actually one of our sponsors. They've mm -hmm. been super nice and they hooked up like every possible piece of equipment for this. So uh, one of the jobs that I want to task myself with is uh, grabbing a good decent chunk of footage uh, if not every day every couple days of where I am and then making a quick video out of it to keep people updated on the different spots so I uh, uh, got to thank GoPro for hooking that up and then uh, I've put a lot of work in on the back end making some cool videos from uh, from the footage that you gather so I'll make sure to put in kind of like a day-by-day -day video blog to keep everybody going awesome excited to see it <laughs> all right uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I was going to say one more. Nope, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. So my next question is, what is like one thing that you do every single day that's the biggest game changer in your life? 
um, stretch, learning how to stretch. Um, it's, it's really, um, so when I first started, uh, training for this and you got to remember, I'm, I'm just like you, I'm a performance CrossFit athlete. I was lifting two, two hour sessions a day with a ton of Metcons thrown in that sort of life, right? Like preparing for what is now regionals or sanctionals or whatever the heck we have in the CrossFit yeah. world right now. I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> I'm, not caught up, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure what our, what our sport consists of right now, but, um, up until about seven months ago, like I'd never put in more than 15, 20 miles, right? Like why would we have done that? So, um, my first 50 miler, I remember my knees felt like cantaloupes. Like they, they were like this big, like couldn't move. And I was just like, what? Like, I can't do this. This is uh, the project almost ended because my body was breaking down on just that duration and long distance until I found the ready state. And that's one of the reasons I asked them to be one of my sponsors was because they literally changed the game for me. It, mm. uh, I mean, I haven't felt one of my joints ache with like 10 to 15 minutes a day of maintenance. That uh, not only has changed the game, it's enabled the game to even be played. Like this probably wouldn't be happening if I hadn't learned how to properly take care of my body with the ready state. That's again, I, I'm not, this is not like a sponsor thing. It's just a genuine thank you to them because they are the reason that my body has been able to prepare like I have. And I actually uh, know wholeheartedly that this is something that I can do. Yeah, no, I think stretching and like mobilizing and working on those things is, it's so important. Something that I'm always striving for. Actually, that's, that's been one of my biggest game changers over just like the pandemic is like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm home, you know, I don't have like all the weights in the world to lift. I don't have like, you know, the pull-up bar and whatever. What can I do that's going to make the biggest difference? Oh, let's see what's always holding me back, my overhead position. Yeah. So let yeah. me do, you know, commit to every single day. I have like the GoWad mobility app and I follow it every single day and do like my routine um, before I go to bed, if the TV's on or whatever, it's a simple routine and now it's become a habit. And I think it just is so important. And not only that, but like stretching gives you a time just to relax your brain too, which sure. is I think it's like it hits two two birds with or two birds with one stone. Yeah, I mean that's getting back to that mental piece. Like, what are you putting in in the smaller steps that lead up to the big, uh, you know, the grand ending? Like, everyone wants a 500 pound deadlift, but are you making <laughs> sure that you know your your back is healthy enough to handle that load over time? Uh, are you making sure that your you know your hamstrings are being built properly without overloading? Are we taking the tiny details into the equation to make sure that we'll, we're we're building to to the end? I, I don't think that we do enough of it. Uh, I know that I didn't growing up as an athlete. I know that I didn't before, you know, I got older and learned that I had to take care of my body. So those tiny steps that you're, you're hinting at the, the overhead position, the locking in the mechanics is they're just, it's so big. And I feel like everyone's just so worried about volume. They're so worried about, um, you know, weight. They're so worried about intensity that we don't take that time to make sure that we're kind of properly addressing movement issues more than above all else. Mm, yeah, that's so important. I hope any athletes that are listening, like stretch. And I know as a kid, it seems silly. Like I know for me, you know, I was like, I just want to do stuff all day. Yeah, right, right, and stretching right. didn't feel like doing stuff, but it is, it's, it's super important. Just take the time. Yeah. I'm glad we honestly hit on this a couple of times <laughs> as, I've, <laughs> as I've gotten older, you know, I just turned 30. It's just been, it's been game changing to make sure that I'm putting in the time stretching and uh, mobilizing the way that you should to prepare for whatever your sport is. You know, this applies to mm -hmm. every single person out there. Uh, listening to your podcast. Uh, if you are a CrossFitter, your, your game is going to change completely on gymnastics positioning, right? If your shoulder uh, mobility overhead is in the right place where it needs to be, you know, think about something like as simple as a strict ring muscle up, right? Like if you don't have that proper shoulder mobility or proper technique to be able to, to, to throw you over into the lockout, like you're never mm. going to get there. And that's strictly a, uh, you know, a mobility based issue. It's probably not a strength based issue. So it can, it can transfer over in more ways than you think about it. Yeah. It's one of those things where you don't have to work hard to get these huge gains. Like, it's not like, yes. Oh my gosh, I need to like spend two more hours training every single day. No, you can just like stretch and unlock those new positions that are holding you back. Absolutely. Well said. All right. So next one is if you could like, you're like, I, okay, I've been saying 90 years old to people, but I'm like limiting their lifespan, I find, by saying 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying like, if you're 150 years old, modern technology is, is come into play, and you're looking back on your life, and you wanted to describe the legacy that you've left in one word, what would that one word be? Uh, inspiring. 
uh, so inspiring others. You know, 2020 has taught us a lot about ourselves as individuals and as a community. And I, I hope that 2021, we're going to realize we can do a lot better. So this has nothing to do with like um, anything political that's going on or anything like that. This has a lot to do with how we treated each other in 2020 mm. and kind of those massive chasms that we left to be able to be better people to each other than we are. Um, you know, I hope that this inspires any group of people, any single person to just remember that if we take care of others, it's going to come back to you in the long run. Uh, we can treat each other so much better than we do right now. It's, it's, it's crazy the way that, uh, you know, our, our current political climate is shaping into kind of a, uh, a generic feeling about one another. And I, I just hope that it gets better and that this shows how much different we could be towards each other by just taking some simple time out of the day to try to understand each other a little better. Mm, yeah, I think more critical thinking and more empathy in 2021 and beyond will be uh, much appreciated in, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, if I can bring anybody just that little bit of inspiration to be better to the people around you, I, 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 then everything was worth it. If I could inspire one person to just be a little bit better, then, you know, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I think these journeys kind of take us out of, you know, the political landscape, the news, these other things. And we're thinking about this bigger mission where it's like, we're not thinking about the political preferences of the people uh -huh. who have cancer, you know? Yeah. We are yeah. thinking about like, hey, their lives are on the line and they can't afford these treatments and I'm biking out there for them and I'm inspiring you to to think about your neighbors and your friends in the same way. So that, yeah. that being said, where can people find you and how can they actually support this? Yeah. So, um, there's a couple different ways to find me. Uh, Instagram is a great one. USACancerCycle.com. Uh, I have a TikTok, believe it or not, but if you want to track that down, it's a little more just like goofy videos of getting ready and the preparation and the day by day. And then the website itself is USACancerCycle.com and you can donate directly to Kima Noir. I want to remind everybody that, uh, I've personally put uh, together the money for myself to do this along with my sponsors. So every single dollar, uh, that is given, um, to the platform goes directly to cancer patients in the Jacksonville area. Um, you can do a one-time donation. And I genuinely mean this. This is not tongue in cheek. If every single person who saw the website or heard about this initiative gave a dollar, we would reach our goal of raising $100,000. Uh, so if you can give a dollar, that would be unbelievable. Uh, if you can do any more, you can also sponsor by the day. For instance, if you have a company and you want us to shout out your company, you can pick a time slot. Say uh, your birthday is... Uh, March 17th, and you can actually buy March 17th and allow me to shoot your uh, shoot out uh, kind of your message, why you decided to buy a day and uh, why you decided to get involved with USA Cancer Cycle. So I'll make sure to shout out every person that buys a day. But I want to repeat that uh, our goal is to raise $100,000 uh, for cancer charity. And uh, if every person that sees this gives $1, I genuinely believe that could happen. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys all can go to the to the website. I'll make sure to put it in the show notes um, so people can click over and go check it out. And thank you so much for being here. I look forward to having you on once you've completed this whole ride. Yeah, I'd love to actually grab, uh, you know, if you ever have time, uh, just somewhere cool where I am, like if I'm in San Diego and catch up and uh, say hey to your audience again. This has been yeah. a blast. You're super easy to talk to and I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate having you on and all the best for, for this adventure. Um, I'm looking forward to, to tracking it down and, and seeing what you get up to in those videos and seeing you cross the, the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, Natalie. I appreciate your time. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.